Welcome to Safety Chats. Host Jason Stark, Director of Safety at Baldwin Safety and Compliance, shares decades of aviation experience and a passion for safety. Let's get started with this week's Safety Chat. So here's a change of pace. I'm going to start this podcast with a question. And the question I'm going to ask is, what do these 10 organizations have in common? Some of them you may have heard of, some of you haven't. But start with number one, Blockbuster, two, Enron, three, BlackBerry, four, Kodak, five, Sears, six, Pan Am Airlines, seven, MySpace, eight, Yahoo, nine, Polaroid, and number 10, Xerox. What comes to mind when you think of those 10 organizations? And what comes to my mind at least as I see now today, compared to where some of those organizations were in the past and some of them aren't around now, is they failed to adapt. And they failed to adapt through learning. And so ultimately, these organizations failed to learn. So hey, welcome to the Safety Chat Podcast. This is Jason. Really glad you could join me. We talk about anything safety management, organizational behavior, organizational management, anything that can possibly help us do our jobs just a little bit better. So as I alluded to in the intro there, we're going to be talking about organizational learning. And organizational learning is probably not a new concept to anybody. You probably heard it. It's been tossed around like a hot phrase, if you will, for the last, oh goodness, maybe five years or so. But we hear about it in the realms of HOP or Human Organizational Performance or Safety 2, where they talk about creating these learning teams. We also look at it as one of the dimensions in James Reason's safety culture model, where a learning organization is also part of that safety culture. And many of you know Peter Senge, who wrote The Fifth Discipline talks about organizational learning specifically. So it's not a new concept, but it's an important concept to talk about because organizational learning really makes or breaks an organization. And I know we we like to narrow things down into safety, but when you look at your organizations, whether you're in a, a charter operator or you're an FBO where your business, your line of business is flight or a supporting flight, or whether you're part of a corporate flight department, maybe of a Fortune 500, you, you want to know that your organization is learning. You want to know that they have the capacity to learn and then act upon the knowledge in which they garner from that learning process, if you will. So real briefly, what is organizational learning? And a really bland definition that you can think of is that it's changes in organizational practices that are mediated through individual or group-based learning or problem-solving processes. Wow, what a term. But what it's saying is that the organization will change in response to finding new information that's important or through solving problems in the organization. And we see that even in safety. So on the one side, we may see, oh, this is a great practice. Maybe it's part of a standard, something new. We learn, we, we listen to the signal in our organization where we're seeing things go this way from the data and we are making a change and we're changing a practice. Or we've had an issue and a lot of this we call it lessons learned, but we had an issue, we had an event, an incident, accident, whatever it is, and we take that information and hopefully 
it doesn't just stop there at the investigation, but we take that information, we learn from it, and then makes changes in our practices. And that's the definition of learning. And the learning forms the basis for fostering continual improvement and adaptation. Now, continual improvement for us is obviously a key term, right? We hear that all the time, continuous improvement, continuous improvement, continuous improvement. And that's hammered into us, especially in the safety assurance component of the safety management system model. But this idea of continuous improvement is the fact that we are learning. The basis is we've learned something, we've learned how to do it better, we've learned how to do it more efficient, we've learned how to do it with less risk, and we're making a change to implement that. And we get that information, especially from performance indicators, when we see, okay, this process is not behaving the way that we expect it to. So let's learn what's going on with that process, what's wrong with that process, and let's change it for the better. So we actually improved it. So that's part of our continuous improvement. And on the other side, adaptation is absolutely important. Now, when we talk about adaptation, those organizations I mentioned before, those 10 organizations, they, they all failed to adapt. And the basis for that, or the causal uh, factor of that is that they failed to learn, so they failed to adapt. So when you look at like Blockbuster, if anybody remembers Blockbusters, I used to love hanging out at Blockbusters as a kid. And it was like, I don't know, it's weird. It's kind of a hangout spot for us for some reason in the north suburbs of Chicago. Maybe that's all we had to do. But it was such a huge chain. And when this notion of streaming started hitting the market and movies online, Blockbuster failed to adapt. And you can see what happened to Blockbusters. They, they, are, they are no longer around. And same with some of the others, like Family Video, they're no longer around because they did not adapt to that learning. So when it comes to safety, when we are thrust into a new environment, for example, when we were put into the COVID environment, or when we're in an environment of extremely high fuel prices, we have to learn about that situation and we have to adapt so that we can continue to perform at an expected level. And that's what learning is about. It all starts with learning. It is so crucial that we learn and we get that learning from the information that we take in from what the organization is doing. But this wouldn't be a talk on organizational learning and especially in the realm of safety if we didn't also talk about the role of leadership in learning. And like I said with everything, it's not just because I studied leadership. Leadership is fascinating, but it's so critical to a lot of the things that happen in the organization, if not all of them, anywhere from culture to performance to job satisfaction, organizational commitment, and so on and so forth. And learning in the organization is no exception. So leaders have to set the environment for learning to occur. And what does that look like? Well, it looks like one instilling psychological safety. Now, we've talked about this in the past, and you've heard, probably heard a lot about it from uh, Dr. Amy Edmondson. But the notion of psychological safety is the ability to feel comfortable and secure and safe in providing information about the processes or the outcomes of processes within the organization. So you think about that. If I constantly accept following a process, constantly make a mistake or a procedure, then... I need to be able to communicate that and feel safe to communicate it and not feel that my job or my life, if you will, will be threatened. So leaders are very key, I would say, or pinnacle, is probably a better word, 
in establishing that climate of psychological safety. So it's incredibly important that leadership be active in the establishment of psychological safety for, for the idea of a learning organization. Now, when we talk about organizations that are learning, and we're still on the leadership key, but what the leaders are trying to do is build what's called absorptive capacity. And according to absorptive capacity theory, it's the ability of an organization to recognize information or important information, assimilate that information, synthesize it, bring it in, make sense of it, and then apply the new information. And that's putting it into practice. And that's kind of what we did. When we talk about organizational learning, there's changes in organizational practices that are mediated through individual group-based learning and problem-solving processes. This idea of absorptive capacity theory is very important because it actually defines and almost quantifies, if you will, this idea of organizational learning. This absorptive capacity is the ability for an organization to recognize the need for information or recognize good information when it has it. It needs to be able to assimilate that information, take it in, understand it, synthesize it. And then most importantly, or I shouldn't say most importantly, but just as importantly, apply that. Now, in a lot of organizations, when it comes to safety, we are somewhat good at recognizing where we need to listen for the signal, where we need to measure, where we need to understand where we can get the information. And when we get the information, we're also pretty good at recognizing, hey, this could be information. When we get to the next step, we're not as good, and that's assimilating that information or making sense of it in the context of our organization and making sense of it in the fact that how is it going to help us reduce risk? And then the last step is probably the most contentious, at least it was to the FAA even a decade ago, is that information that you have, you recognize that it's good information, you've taken this information in, but you do nothing with it. It's just there. It's like, okay, well, I have all this information. And going back to my days of ISBEO, I remember when we rewrote the Chapter 3 standards, and one of the big wins, I thought, and don't hate me for loving this question, but one of the big wins was when we talked about the hazard identification risk assessment process, one of the attributes, I think it's for stage three, or maybe it's for stage two, I don't have the checklist right in front of me, and that was a while ago, but it, it says that there needs to be evidence that a control that was developed as a result of the risk mitigation process has been deployed into operations. And that is showing that you've taken in the information, you've made sense of it, and then you've applied it, you've put it into practice. So that is actually a key step. And again, to get that absorptive capacity, leadership is so incredibly important because getting that information in, we gotta take it in. And a lot of organizations are so scared of identifying failures in the system or challenges in the system because maybe there's perfectionism sitting in, who knows? but we can't be scared. We have to take all that information in. We have to set the tone as leaders to allow our followers, our employees to speak up when something's not right or when something's not safe or when they have a better idea. We have to set that tone because you know what? It has been proven, and this is on the, on the business performance side, but organizations with high absorptive capacity are more likely more successful. And if that applies to learning in the business environment, learning about the organization's environment and adapting and changing and putting in practices to meet that environment, I can certainly argue that the same thing is probably true in safety. 
So when we talk about leadership, I said earlier that the leader has to be active in establishing the appropriate climate for organization learning to have it. In research, there was a negative relationship between laissez-faire, and sometimes I just call it lazy-faire because it's kind of being lazy. You're, you know what laissez-faire leadership is. You're not present. You just let things happen until you're needed. But there is a negative relationship between laissez-faire style of leadership and organizational learning. And this was actually done on a few research studies, which I find interesting because we find other relationships of laissez-faire leadership and safety culture and organizational commitment and safety practices. And what we're finding in this research is that the style of leadership, which seems to be becoming pretty popular today, and the younger generation doesn't have the same deference to leadership that, you know, maybe Generation X or Baby Boomers have. So we're seeing this increase in the style of leadership where you do you until I'm needed. And then when I'm needed, I can intervene. And some people are like, all right, cool. I don't see you. My boss, I never see him. But that doesn't work when we're trying to be deliberate about establishing a culture, especially one of psychological safety. Laissez-faire leadership has been negatively related to organizational learning. But the learning leadership styles that have been found appropriate, I guess a positive relationship, I would say, are these what are called neo-charismatic leadership styles. Those neo-charismatic leadership styles include like transformational leadership, servant leadership, spiritual leadership, I think is one of them too, but there's actually quite a few that's showing that this ability to be present and to provide a presence, you're present and you're providing a presence is very impacting in promoting organizational learning. So it's this idea that what I'm trying to convey here is that whether it be transformational leadership, servant leadership, one of the other charismatic leadership styles, it's delivered. And that's the point I'm trying to make. We can't sit back as leaders and hope that a learning culture evolves or that hope that psychological safety evolves. We have to be very deliberate in our leadership style. And some of you may be saying, you know what? Fantastic, Jason. That, that's great. But I'm not the leader. I'm just the safety manager. I'm just the director of safety. And two things on that. One, if a leader happens to be listening to this podcast, I hope this resonates and hopes it builds a fire in your belly to say, you know what? I'm going to be very deliberate about my leadership. I'm going to study leadership. I'm going to do leadership practices. And I am going to be deliberate to encourage and foster these cultures that we're looking for in an organization. Now, if you're not a leader, positionally, I want to be careful of that because I think all of you are leaders because leadership's about influence. And for us as safety managers, when we're passionate, when we lead from our why, when we're passionate about safety, about everybody going home at night, about our customers being safe, then we can be influential. And as a safety leader, which you all are, we still have the ability to lead up. We can help influence our leaders to be more present. We can talk to them. We can discuss, coach them and say, look, these are the benefits of being more proactive. And then in our sphere of influence, we can also promote this culture as well. So the fact that you're not the positional leader, like the director of operations or the CEO, doesn't matter in my opinion, as far as what you can do in terms of your influencing up for one's case. So you influencing or coaching your leaders, and you influencing through your sphere to help engender a psychological safe culture. So leadership is directly linked to the ability for an organization to learn. So we've covered quite a bit 
when you think about it, we started talking about organizational learning, then we talked about this idea of absorptive capacity and the importance of leadership, establishing psychological safety so the information can come in, so we can make sense of the information, and then importantly, apply that new information. One call to action for you as safety leaders and any other leaders listening, it is important that you prioritize and actively foster this idea of learning culture. And we can start by building psychological safety in the organization. Some would call that just culture, but it's that idea. I feel safe giving this information because if your followers, if your peoples, if you will, do not feel safe, if they don't feel that they can speak up, if they feel like they don't have a voice, then you're not going to learn anything. It's all going to be probably anecdotal because of maybe what you see or somebody heard. You're not hitting the source. So call to action. Leaders, prioritize and actively foster this learning culture. I hope this was helpful in terms of organizational learning and what it means in terms of safety and safety management. But as always, I'm so grateful that you tuned in. Uh, I want to say thank you. Um, importantly, thank you for everything you guys do. You're out there, you're on the front lines, you're working the safety management systems, you're trying to identify things that will hurt people, you're working with leaderships, some cooperative, some not so much. Thanks for towing that line. Thank you for hanging in there. I love you guys. Until the next podcast, stay safe. This podcast is brought to you by Baldwin Safety and Compliance, the leader in safety management for the transportation industry. Since 2004, Baldwin has been providing state-of-the-art solutions and 24-7 support to the aviation and transportation industries. Baldwin's clients include all sizes and types of transportation operators. Baldwin provides safety and related business services to commercial and non-commercial transportation operators, medical transporters, FBOs, MROs, airports, flight schools, UAS operators, firefighters, OEMs, ground transport operators, and others. Visit baldwinsms.com to discover how Baldwin can enhance your organization's safety program. Thank you.